This is the John Oakley Show podcast. All right, we're back into it. Just about 11 minutes away from the top of the hour. On the other side, we're going to talk to, uh, well, our friend who's involved in aviation, Jock Williams, uh, a new research hub in town. Could lead to an aerospace renaissance at Downsview Park. He'll tell us what that's about. Merritt Stiles, the NDP's education critic, is going to join us. At the bottom of the coming hour, uh, insofar as students have been protesting in the legislature, don't know if you've been paying attention to that, but uh, it got rather unruly. Uh, I guess it was earlier today, and uh, Doug Ford wasn't too impressed. Let's give a listen. That's how they train our kids, with a filthy mouth. They should have their mouths washed out and soaked. That's what they should have, because that's embarrassing. All right, well, you see, uh, they were saying, kiss my tush, and uh, so on and so forth. <laughs> you know, twas ever thus. Students complaining about, uh, what, his hiking? Uh, no, he was reduced tuition by uh, 10%. It's just the other stuff, I guess, the freebies that they're not getting. He did say the other day, I caught this... Uh, I guess, just in passing, that student unions are comprised of crazy Marxists. Now, come on, Alyssa Freeman, you were up at York for crying out loud. Uh, that's going light. That's a light description, isn't it? It also speaks to his age. I remember, uh, I do remember walking down the halls of Central Square at York University and there'd be all... Central, Central Square. Central Square? It's actually called Central Square. That's we did the Politburo. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was the Politburo. Now, and wait a minute. tables upon tables. Yes, what? Wait a minute. Now, uh, was your, yours a four-year course or a five-year plan? <laughs> no, no, no. It was a four-year course. Oh, okay. um, but it also speaks to his age because in the early 80s, that's who had all the tables. Uh, all lined up, what was the Marxist-Leninist. So that's a very, very old reference from him. But uh, but honestly, the way he responded right now in that previous clip, I thought, gee, somebody got under his skin. And Doug tends to have, Premier Ford tends to have a pretty thick skin, but I'd have to say that, yes, they were being unruly, but yes, they are students. And I'm glad, for one, that they were there, and I am not upset that they were yelling because I think that we need to not stifle all voices. And the fact that somebody disagrees, just take it. You don't have to be uh, derogatory, and you certainly don't have to lose your cool over it. All right, well, they had a press conference earlier today. Student unions, QP, you know, OPSU, all the people involved. Uh, Sam Hammond was there with the Elementary Teachers Federation of Ontario. So you got the general gist of uh, who this cadre of individuals protesting against the government. I guess mandatory student union uh, fees would uh, no longer be included in this new legislation that uh, Doug Ford's put forward. So you can opt out because maybe you don't support what the student union represents. And they're pissed about that. Kevin Gaudet, uh, is he right that these student unions are rabbit warrens of crazy Marxists. Yes. But the swim club needs their fees, Oh, my goodness. The picture from the protest today was there was a flag-waving Che Guevara picture on the flag and a banner being held from the Communist Party of Canada. What what part of that isn't Marxist-Leninist? I mean, come on. There are a bunch of... I mean, I agree with, with Alyssa. I don't care if kids want to be kids. They're in, you know, the exuberance of youth. They're entitled to be stupid and opinionated. Good for them. Great. Whatever. Okay. But, At least they're uh, but, participating in the process. Great. Exactly. Here, here. Great. And I'm, I'm really glad that students can choose to opt out of paying for the outrageous uses of their money that student uses put them to. 
I guess, Rocco, you would support that. Listen, I wanted to dovetail while we're talking about, uh, well, socialism anyway, but Marxism, I guess, is its uh, evil twin. Bernie Sanders, uh, he's a renowned socialist, ran for president last time, surprised people because of his socialist agenda. Now he's got the whole Democrat Party sort of veering hard left uh, with all of the putative candidates there. Now uh, Ocasio-Cortez is uh, sort of the... Didn't Bernie actually, wasn't he like a friend of Lenin? Isn't he that kind of old? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> they were pen pals. Uh, well, he, he ran ran under the socialist banner for uh, for mayor in Vermont. Vermont, right. Uh, and in fact, he sat for years and years as an independent, uh, which also surprised people when he ran for the Democratic leadership because he wasn't sitting. Yeah, wasn't sitting. Here's Bernie explaining why he's making a second run for president. I'm running for president, I think, uh, for two basic reasons, Bob. Number one, uh, I think the current occupant of the White House uh, is an embarrassment to our country. I think he is a pathological liar every day. Uh, he is telling one lie or another. Uh, and it gives me no pleasure to say that. But I also think he is a racist, a sexist, a homophobe, a xenophobe. Well, and he's going to have the support of the mainstream media in that regard uh, because, you know, that's the narrative that's being pushed forth. And I, I wanted to give you another case study. There's a story of uh, this actor from... Uh, the show Empire, who claims he was mugged in Chicago last month by two individuals who uh, were Trump supporters. They said this is mega country and they put a rope around his neck. Now it turns out the story is starting to unravel. Apparently the guy, uh, the latest uh, iteration of the story is that uh, Jussie Smollett, the actor, set this all up with two brothers from Nigeria who had uh, actually known him. One was his personal trainer. The other was a, a, an extra on the show Empire. And it was all rehearsed. He paid them 3500 bucks for this. All in the interest of propagating this narrative that uh, Trump supporters are racist, xenophobes. What else did Bernie call them? Anyway, uh, the point being, the media leapt all over this. And it seems like there was a rush to judgment rather than asking hard questions and investigating the story because it was readily uh, discernible that there it didn't pass a sniff test, but the media didn't care. It kind of reminds me of the Covington schoolboy story, too, where, and I've had people on this program say, well, these kids were disrespectful to a Native elder. was no such thing. As a matter of fact, now this kid who was the smiling face, you know, the sneering white kid, is suing the pants off everybody who demeaned him, and I hope he wins. But where do we find the media playing into these? They're propagating narratives like they're activists. I mean, even here in Toronto, remember we had the fake hijab story by the 11-year-old Muslim? The prime minister weighed in. Kathleen Wynne, the premier at the time, weighed in. and It fell apart, too. How come the media is so anxious to fall in line and propel these stories forward, Alyssa Freeman? I call it clickbait do-goodism. And, you know, when you take a, a narrative that is a little bit holier than thou, and on the surface, that's what it seems... There seems to be a rush to judgment, number one. And number two, there is a lack of research in actually looking beyond the picture or looking beyond the story. And it's, you know, first report, first out, first gets all the kudos. And that's what's happening here. And on the face of it, these stories, when we first hear about them, we as the as consumers are only going by what we're told. So when you get those things about the, the what turned out to be the fake hijab and of course the Jesse Smollett case, our first reaction is one of horror, and that is supposed to be the overriding reaction that is should carry the story. But when that happens, it really undercuts 
those stories that do have those narratives, that do have that seriousness, and that are not false. So it it creates this sense of... um, fake news, and it perpetuates that narrative, which is the worst thing of all, quite frankly. Well, it reinforces the notion of fake news, but more to the point, I I think, Kevin, correct me if I'm wrong, a lot of the mainstream media look to be leading with their own biases. Well, there's clearly confirmation bias that's going on. Excuse me, I, I worry that this is a phenomenon not limited to the left, unfortunately, but by virtue of the disproportionate share of voice that they have, it certainly is an awful lot more of them. So we hear these types of, more and more these types of anecdotes. It's actually problematic for society, any type of of, of confirmation bias. We should be, like, even as we talked today about the Trudeau-Raybould affair, we're like, all right, here's a couple of speculations, but let's hold judgment and wait and see, et cetera, et cetera. There's too little of that that goes on. And instead, and in this case, the individual in question, the actor, by virtue of being an actor, has weight. The media give weight to him because somehow he acts, therefore whatever the hell he says counts as if it should. Well, there was disproportionate weight given to that whole story, as you say, uh, relative to other more important stories. Like, I mean, somebody pointed out yesterday there's 3,000 shootings in Chicago last year. (laughs) None of that gets dwelled upon as much as this faux attack upon this individual that he more than likely now, it seems, orchestrated himself, blows the whole narrative. But there were presidential candidates Uh in the Democrat Party. We're talking about all how over it. this is, you know, Trump's America, and it's uh, come home to roost and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it makes you wonder uh, the credibility of the media in this case, but why they've, they've allowed themselves to be, uh, you know, denigrated to this point of lack of credibility has become the issue now, Rock. I, I think there are three things. I think um, Kevin is absolutely right. Confirmation uh, bias, and that's a left and right uh, issue. That's been compounded by the factors that um, uh, that Alyssa always reminds us of, and that is that we're in the instantaneous news cycle. There's no more time to do research because you're instantly into the echo chamber of social media and, and the weight of millions and millions of people going at. And the third thing is all of the business models of journalism have been blown up. And so there are very few institutions in the world that still have investigative journalism. They, they do or a even lot of, the staff to or do the, staff the to investigation. Do it. That's a, of, a big reason. They have a lot of wire service stuff or they're drawing on, um, on sources like social media and they don't have the people and the staff and the time. What about their own really Check it out. Just to ask some tough questions, some reasonable questions. It seems like they've even, uh, I don't know. Drop that bar. Yeah, they conceded that point in yeah. the interests of promoting their own bias. They come in with the narrative already, a plug and play narrative. And if this can substantiate it and then it blows up on them and discredits them, and uh, harmfully across the board, uh, where fake news has become sort of a trending meme. I've got to let you go all on that note. I appreciate your weighing in. Wish we had more time. Kevin Gadet, Alyssa Freeman, Rocco Rossi. We'll do it again next week. Thank you so much for it. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.